This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. I want to share some data with you right off the bat, because Sarah's a data gal and I'm a data nerd, and let's do this. Um, how big is the, sand, is the California education budget? It is really big, yes, as somebody said. <laughs> Not enough. Right on. Any sense of a number? For the love of God. $109 billion with a B. Um, California schools educate 13% of all school students in the United States. San Diego County alone is home to 41 different elementary, high school, and unified school districts, 753 public schools educating. How many kids do we have in San Diego County in the school system? 500,000 comes the voice from Laura Cohn in the back. You cannot play anymore today, Laura Cohn. Um, by far the largest district is San Diego Unified. It is the second largest district in California. And nationally, how big is it? Bill Blair. What a guy. Brought it in the end. Yes, Rabbi Lori Kosky knew it too. Um, currently, 77% of statewide K-12 districts contain students of color. Or pardon me, 77% of our students are students of color. And San Diego Unified mirrors that nearly perfectly at 75%. Um, I'm here today to talk about the teacher shortage. And I really want to encourage you to read the report. It is a really meaty, brilliant report that I think gives you a path into advising the constituencies that you work with. How many are employers in the room? How many are education types? How many are uh, NGO sector, nonprofits? Okay. All of you are working with very different constituencies, and the shortage has created different market conditions, different compensation schedules and benefits, and I really want you to become a fellow evangelizer about the opportunity presented by the teacher shortage. We started the school year last year with 4,000 teachers short for the state of California. Um, this is the issue, if you begin to watch your news feeds, this is the issue that every district, every superintendent, most policy analysts in education, um, and as we look at economic projectors and analysts, this is what they're all writing about in the last two to three years. And now it's gaining momentum. We were about three to four years behind beginning to get this word out. I also want to make the case to you today for teaching as community leadership, teaching as justice leadership, and teaching as justice and equity work. Um, almost nowhere else in society do the challenges of race and class and gender and unequal access to economic opportunity collide with what our prior panelists talked about is selfless service, highly refined expertise, grit and hope against the backdrop of profoundly challenging national educational and fiscal policy. Um, 
in some of the most emotionally demanding and valorous work that's done in the United States today. Our classrooms are a litmus test for how successful we will be as a society and our ability to compete in the global economy and San Diego County's ability to compete not only statewide but in the nation and certainly with the Pacific Rim and globally as well. As I indicated to you, this is a tremendous opportunity, I think, for folks like us who are thinking forwardly about how to provide opportunity to folks who will come after us, how to provide opportunity to folks who are in our, our, our network areas and our spheres of influence. Um, and unfortunately, we cannot be successful economically if we have a growing underclass. And part of our challenge is as a county and as the city of San Diego is beginning to address these issues. How did this happen? Um, we experienced the Great Recession in 2008, and we all had an up-close and personal view of what that meant in teaching and in education. Almost all of us knew a family member or a friend or a friend of your children or your kids' own teachers that had a pink slip that experienced a pink slip or had anxiety about it. Um, and the pink slip seemed to us not to relate to their ability or the necessity of them to their kids in their school district. And this was a super toxic stew of stagnating pay, dissatisfaction with the profession, the growing challenges provided by charter schools, reductions in state funding, um, and, that, and accompanied by the parents' perceptions about whether teaching was a valorous, safe, or worthy profession. Um, and I don't ever want to underestimate that because parents' abilities and influence on their kids is substantial. This drove, as you can see by the slide, enrollments of schools of education across the country across a four-year period down 37% nationally with California experiencing the greatest decline, the blue line in the middle. Our schools of education enrollments went down 41%. And for those of you who are not in higher ed, this is catastrophic, right? This is the house is on fire. So now we have a supply issue as the supply being pushed out of the schools of education have been profoundly reduced. Since that time, Schools have worked to, and have been able to reclaim the positions back in their budgets, but the, short, but the supply is no longer there. So high attrition out of, of currently employed teachers and a profoundly reduced demand create this toxic, perfect storm of the teacher shortage. And yet, this is a profound opportunity. I want to talk and highlight four particular constituencies that many of you people, you all in the room, work with. Because um, I think the messaging and the pathway in is a little different for each of those different constituencies. And I want to make sure, and this is a savvy, sophisticated room, but I always constantly want to remind us that traditional college students are not the traditional college students of yes, yesteryear. 80% of students enrolled in BA uh, programs are now over the age of 30, right? So you talk about where the growth sector is and where the need is, and that's, that's a statistic that I think writ large really, really begins to get our attention and talk to us about why the role of community colleges are so mission critical and four-year colleges that are recruiting 
working adults and BA completion opportunities. So number one, I want you to think about the pre-BA adults that are already working in K-12 education. This may be the administrative staff, this may be the aides and support staff, and the auxiliary staff. These are folks that are sophisticated in education, they tend to be more mature as a group, and they have a sense of the, of the complicated calculus that is going on in classrooms right now. Number two, the second group, those who may have stopped out of two-year and four-year colleges. I was sitting with a high school principal and assistant principal a couple weeks ago, and they could count 20 students of their former students on uh, as we were sitting there who had stopped out of two, their two-year or four-year degree because life had interrupted them, right? It was either finances or a sick parent or um, some sort of life event had interrupted their education. And we have that segment of folks sort of looping and floating out there, which you all know, certainly, given that you're sitting in this room. Third, we had the currently enrolled students in two-year or four-year uh, colleges, again, traditional age or, or adult, returning adult population. And then number four, those who are already working in a number, in a different field or, and may be considering teaching as a break from the bench or from the lab or from the private sector. I had the good fortune um, two weeks ago to be able to talk with a young engineer who had left his lab, and he was now teaching in one of our local high schools. And the, the panel was him and, and his students, and the flame of passion that he was able to ignite in his kids was nothing short of extraordinary. He had very high expectations for his kids, and his kids were not who we considered to be traditional, high achiever, high flyer, everything comes easy for them while they are also solving world hunger, right? These were kids that historically folks had not had high expectations of, and he was absolutely demonstrating that those were um, challenged expectations at best. As we think about now the opportunity that's provided post-BA, if you think about traditional age kids graduating, I'm now 52 and can say kids um, of the recent graduates, that's very horrifying. Um, but think about your first BA, post-BA job paying 45 to 55,000, very robust benefits, health, dental, et cetera, eight weeks vacation, and representation and potentially a signing bonus. That is not a bad package when we're talking about young people who are graduating and may not know exactly where they want to go yet, but have an opportunity to pursue their field of study in a very interesting way, right? Um, this can mean economic stability, more importantly, for students that may be coming from low-wage families and salaries like that have an opportunity to lift an entire family out of poverty never to return again. And, and some of you are shaking your heads as, as you sort of contemplate that level of wage benefited position opportunity and assigning bonus. I also want to talk to you very briefly about the key shortage areas. The main shortage areas are high school teachers, single subject credentialed folks, special ed teachers, STEM subject proficient teachers, bilingual speakers, multilingual speakers, culturally proficient speakers, 
teachers of color and men. So let me go back through. Men and women of color, men, single subject, special ed, high school teachers, STEM subjects, bilingual, multi lingual speakers and culturally proficient speakers. I want to talk very briefly about why we, here we go. I want to show you, this is just a very basic graph, and I brought you sort of the most basic one that talks about the demo demographic differences between the students and the teachers in the state of California and across the country. Historically, up until five years ago, until we began, five, ten years ago, when we began addressing this, teachers were 80% white women and only 20% men, and that sort of demography gap, as you can imagine, has caused all sorts of byproducts and challenges for our communities. I want you to contemplate this, because as I've had an opportunity to go through the research, I want to just very briefly, I know I'm preaching to the choir in this room, but we now have a body of research that has demonstrated empirically the benefits of a diverse teacher core. Number one, it benefits all students, decreases the achievement gap for most subgroups, serve as cultural brokers for first-generation students, and can drive measurable student achievement. Role modeling reduces, this is an important one, reduces student push-out and harsher disciplinary measures. I, I want to skip down to the last one. Hold more positive perceptions of the academic potential of, of a diverse student body. This is profoundly impactful when you talk about the communities you serve um, and the potential of students. I've heard too many friends and friends of color and professional, professionals of color say to me, my siblings and my parents said school was not for me. That became sort of the mantra in the family, school is not for me. It's something to be endured and, not, and pushed through while immediately then skipping out into the work sector with often not enough skilled uh, opportunity. Finally, we've talked a little bit about the demography gap. I want you to think about these concepts. As we think about, as the, as the nonprofit sector panel suggested, this is valorous, economically important work, right? We have an enormous number and percentage of our teachers are highly gifted, high expertise, high talent teachers, and yet we have to elevate even further in terms of giving them resources and giving them a supply of highly trained um, students coming in. As a result of this, and I'm going to close with this, this, this observation, we're seeing a very large number uh, and a proliferation of unique programs designed to assist and incentivize folks to enter the teacher profession. We're talking about housing stipends. We're talking about signing bonuses. We're talking about more favorable wages than we have ever seen. These market conditions are finally beginning to drive teacher salaries overall. It'll be, take a while to trickle down, certainly, but we're seeing opportunity also in terms of scholarship opportunities. In my own program, we have figured out how to put together a public school, private sector, university partnership that will make tuition almost entirely free, allow a BA to be gotten and a teacher certificate to be gotten at the same time 
in exchange for three to four years of service back to their public school districts. We know that there is a premium to have culturally proficient students return to their school districts, and that's colorblind. So that opportunity provides opportunities to all of the folks in your spheres of influence and in your networks. As I close, I want you all to become evangelizers for this message. Um, if you have folks that are in your network, call me and talk to me, and I'll help you route them into the right programs. We have to continue to recruit culturally proficient, talented subject matter experts if we are to succeed economically as a region. This is where I channel Mark Cafferty of the Economic Development Corporation. Please join me in evangelizing. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you to the Workforce Partnership.